Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by our friends over at Celsius. Scott, we are, oh man, I've been geeked for this episode. Honestly, I'm not kidding you. I've been pumped for this episode since before the season started, because when I saw the Rams on the schedule and knowing Bruce Aaron's offense like I did, I just thought, man, and knowing the Rams, and now I'm even more excited because I've been able to see what the Rams have been able to do defensively and this is an incredible matchup between two teams that uh, just do really different things and accomplish tasks really different ways. And it's going to be a crazy contrast of styles that we're going to be able to talk about on the show. It's going to be a lot of fun. Most definitely, John. It's it's not going to be the shootout that it was last year out in L.A., right? Uh, I, don't, I don't see right. it being a high-scoring affair. Why? Because the defenses are markedly better than yeah. they were last year. And uh, we're going to talk about that in depth today on the pewter report podcast yeah absolutely all of this coverage brought to you on the pewter report podcast is also brought to you by our friends over at celsius Computer Report Podcast, John Ledyard, Scott Reynolds talking Rams in Bucks. This is a juicy matchup, Scott, and this is one I think from the outset we look at this game and we say, okay, look back at the Bucks schedule so far this season. Have they beaten good teams? Yes, they beat the Raiders, and they, pound, they pounded the Raiders, and they pounded the Packers, both good teams. Raiders will probably make the playoffs. I was breaking down the AFC on my Twitter account this morning, and I think the Raiders have a good chance of making the playoffs, so I think that's a quality win. I think the victory over the Packers was a very quality win. Obviously, that's the one that really stands out, as a lot of people have picked the Packers to be the NFC representative. It's like these next two games, Scott, if the Bucks can win, even one of them, I think I'll feel, I feel like I have a good scope on where they are in the national sca- national landscape in terms of yeah. teams right now. Are they in the top tier? Can they can they beat can they win a Super Bowl? Or are they just a good team that'll make the playoffs, maybe win a game, you know, and then they'll probably bow out and one of the better teams away? I think we find that out over the next few weeks. Well, you know what, John, when we're talking Bucks and Rams, we're talking about, you know, teams that are that are fighting to get into the playoffs. And and I'll tell you what, you know who's already in the playoffs, in my opinion? Celsius. Celsius is in the playoffs. Stay active and energized all day long with Celsius by your side. Celsius powers active lives every day with essential functional energy. They're different from other energy drinks because they focus on movement. When combined with exercise, their formula is clinically proven to boost your metabolism and help you burn fat. I'm going to spend the rest of this this little plug time here to throw up all of these different flavors. This right here is wild berry. That's, That's the one I want to try right there, wild berry. Watermelon kiwi, just in time for okay. fall. Fuji apple, cola. Haven't tried this yet, but I'm interested to try cola. You are set over there. Raspberry, right there. If you like the okay, I'll try that one. Flavor. Uh, this is peach mango. A little too sweet for me, but my girls love it. Sparkling, this is lime cucumber, which is actually really good. Try that one. Grapefruit. I'm not a fan of grapefruit, but I know Mark Cook is. Look at the flavors. John, John, there's there's more. This is the BCAA. This is what I use after my workouts to rehydrate. This is a blood orange lemonade, and it's fantastic. 
grape. Okay, I, John, back before Gatorade, I'm kind of dating myself right now, but back before Gatorade, uh, in high school, I used to crush two Welch's grape sodas. Okay. Wow. Yes, this is a healthier, way, way, <laughs> way healthier version of, of that. It's fantastic. You know I love orange. You've seen me hold up the orange before. This is the other BCAA. This is tart cherry lime. So if you like like a, a good cherry limeade, this is the, the one for you. And then, of course, uh, watermelon, my, my wife's favorite. Actually, she loves the watermelon. I love the orange. It's my favorite. Folks, all we're asking you to do is give it a try. They've got yep. a flavor for every single one of your taste buds. So log on to pewterreport.com. Click on the Celsius banners. Go to Amazon. You can buy them in cases like this and save a bunch of money. And if you're an Amazon Prime member, ships free to your door. You get it like the next day. So give Celsius a try. Uh, tons of great flavors. Uh, really good for you. It's a great pick-me-up if you need a little uh, afternoon, if you're getting those three o'clock uh, doldrums, uh, it's a great energy boost. And what I like about it, John, is uh, no jittery feeling like other energy drinks might. Yeah. And then no crash, no sugar crash, yeah. because uh, there there is there's no artificial uh, sweeteners in this. There's no um, high fructose corn syrup. So yeah, give it right. a try with the, with our good friends at Celsius. I know. Uh, I've already ordered a, a case or two, and we've already had some great feedback from some Pewter Report podcast mm -hmm. listeners and Pewter Report fans. So check out Celsius. We have, yeah. It's been pretty cool to see the amount of fans that have you know, been into Celsius and that love it. And so I'm excited. I'm going to try some this week, and I can't, I'm really looking forward to it. It'll yeah. be a uh, first time. So hopefully on the post-game show Monday night, I'll have some, yeah. uh, some thoughts and, and analysis on Celsius as well as what we hope will be a box of victory. It's going to be tough to get there though, Scott. Let's I just be honest. I have my doubts this week, John. I hate to say it. We're going to get we're going to catch major hate for this show and people are probably going to clip segments of this show and post them on social media if the Bucks win this game. And not that we're going to hate on the Bucks per se, but it just looks hard from a matchup standpoint. I always look at how teams match up, what they do philosophically. I don't think the Bucs are the less talented team. I think the Rams are talented, but yeah. I think the Bucs are more talented. Yeah. I think they're more talented at the quarterback position. The question is, will the scheme and the coaching allow that to flourish? Yeah. I don't say that to hate on the Bucs coaches. I want to be clear about that. I'm not hating on the Bucs coaches. I just don't know that this matchup is going to go in their favor. It's more incredible praise for the Rams coaching staff. I think the Rams coaching staff has been ahead of the curve in the NFL since Sean McVay got there on the offensive side of the ball, Wade Phillips did some good things defensively, but they really weren't moving the needle the way that McVay wanted them to. They move on from Wade Phillips, who's a great DC, but they needed something fresh or something new. Brandon Staley has come in, Scott, and let's just start on the defensive side of the ball. What he has done in his first year as a defensive coordinator, I mean, what an impressive showing for this group so far. They start off the season, there were some ups and downs, but Last few weeks, it really looks like this group is moving to the top of the league and maybe the very top of the league in terms of defensive play. Well, really, when, when you look at, at defense, John, you can look at total defense. You can look at, at you know rushing defense, passing defense. As John Gruden told me, and a great lesson from him is, is number one, offense and defense doesn't mean anything. It's scoring, right? Because yards don't win games, points do. And right now you look at, at the Baltimore Ravens, the top scoring defense in the league holding opponents to just 18.3 points per game 
Rams right behind, 18.7. Where do your Tampa Bay Buccaneers fit in? Well, they're a couple spots down, still pretty good, 22.6. Mm-hmm. And that tells me that this is going to be more of a low-scoring type game. Um, I, I, I don't see it being that shootout that it was last year out in L.A. I think the Buccaneers have the offensive firepower to do it. But, John, we're talking about this Rams defense, and it's not just Aaron Donald. Uh, Aaron Donald is is uh, an all-pro, once-in-a-lifetime type uh, pass-rushing defensive sure. tackle. He's kind of a throwback to to Warren Sapp in terms of of that that quick penetrating, you know, three-technique tackle. But it's not just him getting it done. One of the players I liked coming out of college, he was not ready for the NFL, but I watched him extensively at Georgia, was Leonard Floyd. Mm-hmm. And he's a player that really has not lived up to that first-round potential that the Bears drafted him. But you mentioned Staley, and he came over from Chicago. He's a big uh, Fangio disciple. And he brought Leonard Floyd to uh, to the Rams. And, you know, he's got seven sacks. He had three against Russell Wilson, at plus uh, 11 tackles and a fumble recovery. It was his best game as as an NFL player. And he's long. And I think he's yeah. finally developed some strength and some size to now he can convert strength to power. And that was kind of the knock on him coming out very much like, like Barkebius Mingo and some of these these uh, guys, the wiry guys, even Gaines Adams when he was drafted by the Buccaneers, didn't have any power. Yeah. Leonard Floyd finally has some of that to go with that long six-foot-five frame. And I, I watched that Rams-Seahawks game last week and was blown away by that. I don't think he's going to have much success against Tristan Wirfs, but I think they match him up uh, against Donovan Smith, and they have some success there because one of the things that the Rams do a lot of is stunting and twisting. They don't bring a ton of pressure, but when they do, it's effective. But they can get pressure, John, with right. Brockers and and Floyd and Aaron Donald up front by twisting them and stunting them. And yeah. and so I think that's where it could present some problems. And the Bucks' lone sack that they surrendered last Sunday at Carolina was on one of those those twists that that Ryan Jensen and and Donovan Smith didn't quite pick up. Both of those guys got beat. Brady went down, and I could see Donald and Floyd really working either. Jensen or Marped, whoever's at left guard, and Donovan Smith the same way this this Monday night. Yeah, there's no question that Staley will find the mismatches and try to exploit them. I think that's one of the things he's done best as a defensive coordinator this season. So I think you can expect that going into the game. Honestly, you know, Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald, the different arrangement of guys that they have up front have all been effective, and largely it's because of the scheme and having a guy like Donald. I mean, he gets extra attention, and now that teams are moving him outside, you know, the Rams are moving him outside, and he's rushing from outside more than ever before. And like you mentioned, the Rams are – are fine pass rushing team. You know, he's obviously yeah. a huge part of that. You know, they're about league average in terms of their press rate, about league average in terms of their blitz rate. Yeah. Uh, but first and or third tied for third in sacks, 31 sacks a season. So when they get home, they make it count. Um, they're a team that can put you behind the sticks with the way that they play. And, and they've also taken the football away, 13 takeaways yeah. this season. Um, you know, Bucks obviously tied for first in that department, and the game honestly probably may come down to that, especially if the Bucks are going to be successful. I think they're going to need some takeaways, but Focusing on the Rams' defense, this is a group that, honestly, Scott, when you look, they really have not done anything poorly this season. You know, they're best in the NFL in yards per attempt uh, in in the passing game. 6.4 yards per attempt, easily the best mark in the NFL this season. They've only allowed 19 pass plays of 20 yards or more this year. It is because they play so much too deep safety, it is so difficult to hit passes down the field on this team um, that teams, a lot of teams have abandoned. I mean, the the average – 
the lowest air yards per on completions in the NFL. So teams aren't even trying to throw it on the field anymore right. on the Rams. They're just trying to pick them yeah. apart underneath. And guess what? I'm fine with that from a buck standpoint, but let's be honest, Scott, when they have faced matchups against teams like, like this, a lot of the time they try to bite off the whole thing in one play. And that tends to right. be their MO. And a lot of these, you know, heavy four wide receivers, four vertical combinations are great situationally. But the reality is that if the bucks are going to win this game, Bruce Arians is going to have to be the most coach, the most patient game of his life because you are not getting, you're, you're exactly. not going to hit, you're not going to hit 40 plus yard plays on this Rams team. I mean, only they've only given up two 40 plus yard pass plays the entire season. That's bet, right. tied for this first has, in the NFL as well. This has to be a Tom Brady game, not a Bruce Arians game. This has yeah. got to be a take what the defense gives you, throw to the open guy, and be patient. And and Brady, unlike Jameis Winston, uh, you know, it, it is really patient, almost to a fault sometimes because. As I pointed out in my Fab Five last week, there were times where where he just wouldn't go down the field, and he would go with the safer, more you know, more more ready play, a pass play underneath. Sometimes that's even in front of the sticks rather than behind it, and I think that was kind of a detriment in the Saints game. But but certainly we saw Brady really move the sticks with a third down completion percentage, uh, or not his completion percentage, but a third down conversion rate of sixty three percent which was markedly better than just converting, what, one-third down against the Saints the previous mm -hmm. week. So it, it, it certainly uh, is a game that I think is is winnable from a strategic standpoint from the Buccaneers, but they have to have balance. They've got to be able to run the ball against this, this Rams front. And really, they invite you to run the ball a little bit because of, of the way they, they deploy both their safeties. They don't put a safety in the box. Um, but one of the things they do is, is they, they – they they use their, their nickel corner uh, as a linebacker, which is not uncommon. That's very similar to, to what a lot of Tampa two type teams do. And the and the, the Rams aren't Tampa two, but they deploy their their nickel corner in a Tampa two type mm. scheme where he is more of, of a linebacker than he is uh, a corner because they play so much zone, especially in the middle. What they will do is they'll match up Jalen Ramsey in man. And then they will have zone schemes throughout the rest of their defense. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and if Ronald Jones can have half the game that he had against Carolina and rush for 100 yards, I think the Buccaneers have a decent chance of putting some points up on the Rams defense. But it's not going to be uh, a 46-point outburst like it was last week. And it's no. not going to be the, the, the scoring fest that it was last year. In the Bucks, uh, right? You know, what was that? 55, 40, some 41, 43 or something. 40. Yeah, it, yeah, it's not crazy. It's not going to be that again, right? Uh, unless there's a defense or special team score in there on a kickoff return for a touchdown, right. which we know is not going to happen. Uh, maybe Antonio Brown returns a punt for a touchdown, but um, but I, I don't see this being a high scoring game. I think that this is probably uh, we'll, we'll give our predictions at the end, mm -hmm. but I think I think that if if it's in the 30s. It's it's uh it's probably uh, more on, on the higher scoring end, and that's just because the Rams. You look at Tampa Bay; they're averaging twenty nine point six per game. The Rams do a great job of moving the ball, but they bog mm -hmm. down inside the red zone, and they're only putting up, um, let's see, twenty four points per game. So they're they're mm -hmm. about middle right. of the pack in terms of offensive scoring, John. Right. Yeah. It's been their offensive side on the offensive side of things is, is very up and down for them. And that's where I think the Bucks really have to win. And we will, we will get to that in a second too, but also want to mention, you know, it's good, 
good question here. You know, somebody asked, uh, did did the have the Rams faced an offense as potent as the Bucs? Um, and I think the answer is yes, because they played Seattle last week and they only gave up 16 points and they forced Russell Wilson into a bunch of turnovers. So yeah, I mean, being battle tested isn't a question for me with the Rams. I mean, they, they've been battle tested. And honestly, I really think this team should be better than their record is, you know, that they had some weird games, the bills game. I think I mentioned this uh, maybe on Monday on the, on the show, but the bills game, they lost that game because of a, on a fourth down, they called defensive pass interference. It was a, just a terrible call and yeah. the Rams should have won it. There was like no time left. The Rams would have won it if they hadn't made that call and the bills won on the next play, I think. And so um, that's a game I think that they should have won. And it was kind of, we're kind of robbed of that game. And, and you know the the Miami game was one of the strangest games the whole NFL season. I mean, the two a punt return touchdown, a defensive touchdown, a defensive turnover that was returned to the one yard line, and their yeah. other touchdown was a thirty three yard touchdown drive for Miami. So they scored once on defense, once on special teams, once from the a drive that started on the one yard line, and once on the drive that started from the Rams thirty three yard line, and that was the whole game. So it's just not indicative. Think about where the Rams numbers would be defense, you know, points and stuff like that on defense if they hadn't given up those 28 in that game to, to Miami. And so I yep. just think that That's this challenge. is a very just, unique challenge. Just to put that in perspective, the Dolphins beat the Rams 28 to 17. Tua Tonglevoa had 93 yards passing and one touchdown. Right. Okay. Yeah. And, and the, the Dolphins rushed for 55 yards. That it was, was it. one of the more bizarre games of the season. <laughs> yeah. 55 yards worth of rushing and 90 yards passing. Right. And yet – the Rams lost by 11 points because their offense, you know, bogged down in the red zone. They had those those two turnovers. That was the difference in the game. That was a game where, where Goff threw for 355 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, and they ran for 131 yards. So mm-hmm. the Rams put up, what, 471 yards of offense and only scored 17 points. And that's kind of been their tale of the season yeah. is great play by the defense, a lot of yards on offense, but not as many points as you would expect. Right, and, and you know, Jonathan brings up a good point. Have some faith in Brady, John, and I do. I don't like. I said I don't think the talent is the issue for the Bucks. Like I don't have a, I don't have a like. Oh, they just can't win these one-on-one matchups. I mean, if Ali Marpet doesn't play, then I think Aaron Donald's going to eat. Who I'm just, I love, Ryan Jensen. Just reality. I, I don't think he's going to win that matchup. Um, but so so, but other than that, I don't think this is a game where I look at them and say I don't think they're talented enough. I just wonder coaching wise, and here's why. Let's just focus on the Rams defensively for a second and what they do. You know, the Rams love to stop the inside runs. They love to use bare fronts, which means guys right outside of the guards and somebody head up on the center. They love to use those and clog the interior. The Bucks run inside heavier as heavy as any team in the NFL. They just don't have an outside running game. They've used that crack toss play four or five times this season. They tried to run outside zone four or five times. There's just not an outside zone team. If you're not an outside zone team, you can't run it. It just doesn't work. You have to be able to practice in it, and they just aren't good at it. So their running game, I think, will just get completely shut down by what the Rams do defensively. And the other thing about the Rams that's interesting is they normally play those bare fronts, like I said, and they'll clog up the interior gaps. Now, here's the thing. Last week against Seattle, they know Seattle is the highest first down pass rate in the NFL by far. It's not even close. So they didn't. They played – third down coverages and third down pass rush schemes on first down and Seattle stepped right into their plan. So how you play them is tricky because the Rams are smart and they will counter what they think you're going to do. You have to kind of alter your tendencies a little bit and outthink them to be successful. So I, you know, the bucks run on a ton of first downs and they run They, you know, they like to start games that way. So I think 
going play action and being able to hit plays down the field is going to be big early because I think they'll see a ton of those. The Rams are going to look at what they did last week on the ground. They're going to play those bare fronts, and they're going to try and clog up the Bucs running game. And frankly, unless the Bucs get them out of those looks, they're going to be successful. The Bucs will not be able to run the ball in this game. So again, it's matchups. If the Bucs are going to try to run the ball inside, which they do typically, I don't think they'll be successful. If the Bucs are going to try to hit big plays down the passing, passing down the field in the passing game and run four verts all the time, Brady's going to have to check down to the running backs, and we know how that goes in the passing game. And so that's why I just think matchups is where it loses me for the Bucs offense in this game. Yeah, I, I agree. And, John, when you look at, at your column, at your Bucks briefing column that you you uh, you did this week, you, you really outlined in video how the Panthers greatly helped Tampa Bay's running game by, by <laughs> putting themselves out of position based on motion, right? Yeah, and and the Buccaneers a lot of times would set the strength and then run away from it, or they, they would use counters, and 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 they would play right into the numbers in their favor, and 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 catch the Panthers either even or at a number deficit, in terms of the number of defenders on the side they were running the ball to, and I, I don't think the Rams are going to be fooled with that. I think the Rams right. are going to do what the Rams are going to do, and not necessarily adjust any shifts in motion. Uh, that 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 the Buccaneers are, are going to present. Seattle can run the ball. I know that right now, you know, they, they had to rely on on Alex Collins. They've got some injuries there, but I mean, Seattle can run the ball. Most right. of their yards last week came from Russell Wilson running for his life and scrambling. And Aaron Donald didn't have a sack last week, but I think Brockers did. He's got three on the year. Leonard Floyd had a monster game, and and th- there's a lot of of ways. That the the Rams do have a, an exotic blitz package on third downs that they can get into. It doesn't quite rival what Todd Bowles does, but it can be effective. There's right. a lot of guys that can get to the quarterback right now on defense for the Rams. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven guys have either have at least half a sack, and uh, one, two, three, four, five. Well, they had- eight, eight of those defenders have at least two. They and, had seven sacks last week, and Aaron Donald didn't have one, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. And and so right now, I I think that 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 this defense, unless the Buccaneers can establish uh, a running game and use play action and get into third and manageable, which means third and four or better, I I, I think that that the Rams defense has the edge unless yeah. the Buccaneers can get into manageable third downs, just because their front four is so active. And, and, and any of those guys can get to the quarterback. If Ali Marpet was 100% and coming back, he did a wonderful job on Aaron Donald last year, John. And if he's back and he's 100%, I like the Bucks' chances. But the problem is here it is Wednesday. In reality, John, the Buccaneers, because this is a Monday night football game, this is like a Tuesday for them, right? So they didn't practice yeah. today. The players essentially have the day off. And then they're going to be practicing Thursday, Friday, and Saturday and then have their walkthroughs on Sunday, then the game on Monday night. So mm-hmm. we really don't even know what Ali Marpet's status is heading into this, and we're probably not going to have a really good idea until Friday or Saturday right. if Ali is going to be available and ready to play. Right, and it's a huge matchup, obviously. I mean, we, we don't have to spend a ton of time talking about how good Aaron Donald is, yeah. but really he allows them to be as creative as they are defensively because you can play him anywhere on the D-line, yeah. and he's going to win one-on-one. So you yeah. play him anywhere, you know what a team's going to do, where they're going to slide protections, and you know everybody else is going to have one-on-ones, and – those guys got to win and you can twist them and put them in situations where you help them win and everything's built off what Donald does. And so he's obviously extremely important. We mentioned, I want to mention this before we move away from the Rams defensive yeah. side of the ball. And yes, this Alex might, Kappa has been playing well. 
Yes, Alex Cabot has been playing great. I don't. It's been a while since he gave up even a sack. I'll have to check on that stat. But yeah, he's been playing really well, especially in pass pro. Um, this is one of the craziest statistics, especially given the nature of this season that I've heard, Scott. Especially at this point in the season, we're entering week eleven. We have a pretty decent sample size. We have a nine-game sample size now, or sorry, a ten-game sample. What are the Rams? Six and three, nine-game sample. We have a nine-game sample size of how this has gone this year for the Rams. They are ninth in red zone defense, total red zone defense right now. So good mark. They are the best red zone defense at home in the NFL. Teams are scoring 23% of the time. The next closest team is 20 is 12 percentile points away from them. Not even close. When they play at home, it's basically impossible to score on them in the red zone. Mm-hmm. When they play on the road, they are the worst red zone defense in the NFL wow. by nine percentile points. Wow. Teams are scoring on the road when the Rams are on the road. Teams are scoring against them 93% of the time in the red zone. That is 23% at home, 93% in the, on the road. That's, I mean, that is just ridiculous. I mean, I, I, th- I know that red zone can be a little bit volatile year to year, but typically yeah. within a year, you know, you have tendencies, you play to them, and they either work for you or they don't. That kind of a, a stretch is crazy to me. Um, it is. And so, and obviously the Bucs are at home. So it bodes well for them. It's one of the few statistics. If you look at this Rams defense, that bodes well for the Bucs. They're fifth and third down defense, though. They're the fifth least penalized team on defense in the NFL. They're second in the percentage of drives ending in an offensive score, second best. So in other words, uh, teams don't score against them uh, most of the time in drives that end in an offensive score. Uh, they're tied for first in yards per play. Uh, they're a great tackling team. They're one of the lowest missed tackle rates in the league this season. Um, and I mentioned that the air yards on the completions. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and here's the other thing that really, again, it's matchups in this game. What does a team do? How do they find success? And does the other team built to be able to stop them? And the Rams offensively, Scott, they get a ton of their production off of yards after catch. It's a mm-hmm. lot of screens in this game, a lot of screens yeah. in this offense. And yeah. the Bucks haven't been good at it. They're seventh worst team in the NFL in terms of the yards after catch they've allowed. And the Rams are the sixth best. And so it is a it is kind of a clash as we move to the Rams offensive side of the ball. It is kind of a clash of tendencies and strengths that really doesn't boat doesn't really move in the Bucks' favor when you think about what this defense probably will need to do to be able to stop the Rams offense in this game, because I think the defense is huge for the Bucs in this one. It really is. And and when when you look at, at what the Rams are doing offensively, uh, the screen game is so effective because of, of one key asset, and that's the blocking. And I, I've never seen offensive linemen get off the ball in position and downfield, you know, we're only talking five, 10 yards, but but get in position five to 10 yards off the line of scrimmage so quickly and so precisely. And, you know, a lot of times when you get a big man and we saw, you know, poor uh, Ross Cockrell get drilled um, with, with the offensive tackle coming out at him last yeah. week in Carolina. And even Donovan Smith had, had one of those uh, instances where he just mauled a cornerback. I think it was Troy Pride Jr. Uh, on on an outside running play. But sometimes it's hard for the big men to hit the little moving target, right, John? To get out there in space yeah. and actually you know, lay, lay the lumber on somebody. Um, sometimes you don't have to do that. Sometimes you literally have to get in the way, get in between the, the defensive back and the receiver or the running back or whoever's catching the screen. But these guys do a really good job of getting body on a body mm-hmm. and, and walling off those defensive backs. They do, yeah. Now, Tampa's corners can tackle, which is good. Right. But 
But you got to be free to tackle. And 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 I'm telling you, the receivers on the Rams, whether it's Cooper Cup, whether it's Josh Reynolds, Robert whether it's Woods. Woods, they can flat out block. And and their screen game is deadly because they use it. It's not a gimmick for them. It's a staple in their offense. Mm-hmm. This Rams uh, receiver screens that they run, and they'll run tight end screens too. And and I'll tell you, folks. It's one thing to have one tight end, right? And I mean, the Buccaneers, we can sit there and say, oh, look at Cameron Brait and Rob Gronkowski last week. And that was a little bit of an anomaly because Brait hasn't been much of a factor this year in mm-hmm. the passing game. Uh, they tried to have that, and they kind of had it a little bit with O.J. Howard and Gronkowski at the beginning of the season. Uh, Gronk was, was kind of slowly coming on as O.J. was pretty hot at the beginning of the year. Then O.J. Yeah. gets hurt. Well, the Rams, John, and you know this, Tyler Higby. Gerald Everett, they're almost like twins out there, not in body size. Higby's the bigger guy, 6'6", 255. Uh, Everett's more of the the athlete, the faster guy, 6'3", 240, a little undersized. But in terms of production, Higby, 23 catches, Everett, 22. 296 yards for Higby, 255 for Everett. Three touchdowns for Higby, one for Everett. This is a, a double tight end tandem that yeah. can really scare you, you know, as a defensive coordinator. And we know that Jordan Whitehead typically matches up on one tight end. Mm-hmm. But when you have two, and the Rams will either go three or four wide or they'll go in 12 personnel and have both those tight ends on the field to either block or mm-hmm. send both of them out. Or they for- flex them both out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it. The you know, somebody – who was it that said today – I think it was Todd McNair maybe or it was Casey Rogers. I can't remember when they were talking to us today, but they said the Rams take and develop and mold their personnel to what they do as well as any team in the league. And it's so true. And especially on the offensive side of the ball, they don't need a Mike Evans in the offense, you know, to make things go. You right. know, they have guys that can block, they can run routes, and that's the most important stuff to them. They can you block and you catch, can you run routes? Doesn't matter if what your 40 was or anything like that to right. them. Um, they are a technical wide receiver scouting team, and they have guys that fit that mo. And so yeah. it's huge for them. They don't throw a lot of passes down the field. They have no, one of the lowest. I'll look. They have. There's. Let's see. No. Tenth. Tenth. Uh, twenty yard pass plays. They have. They have thirty two, but most of them did not come on deep balls. They're tied for twentieth in deep ball completions. Just twelve completions of twenty yards or more yeah. this season. 19th they are in attempts so they don't throw a ton of deep balls they uh, try to make them count when they do a lot of their big passing plays come off short passes that turn into long gains um and so again it's going to be tackling it's going to be recognition and football iq that's how you that's how you beat the rams you know it's not like they're this unbelievably talented group of players on offense they're just extremely well coached and uh they operate then a unique offense at an extremely high level and that's what makes them tough you're talking about unique offense and I've never seen a team that goes play action as much as the Rams do yeah. and then throw underneath. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. What, what Bruce Arians wants Tom Brady to do is go play action and then take the big shot down the field. <laughs> That's right. The Rams yeah. do the exact opposite. They'll yeah. use play action, and they'll throw a five-yard pass mm-hmm. to a wide-open Darrell Henderson, uh, Tyler Higbee, Robert Woods. And, and so their whole scheme is completely different. They use a ton of play action to kind of create a little bit of, of, of misdirection to free up an underneath receiver, tight end or back, to pick up 10 yards. And, and right. they're, they're, they're patient in their approach. But it's like you look at, at the Rams receivers, and I'm just going to roll down the list here. Cup, 10.9. These are their averages. Woods, 11.2. Reynolds, th- 13.9. Higby, 12.9. 
Everett, 11.6. Van Jefferson, 13.6. Darrell Henderson, 11.4. Uh, Johnny Munt, the tight end, 13.3. Cam Akers, running back, 11.4. I mean, it's it's nothing crazy down the field. Yeah. They just want to pick up first downs and get the chains moving. And, and they're, right. they're a big play offense that really is comprised with a lot of 10 and 11 yard gains down the field. Right now th- this, you know, but we're starting to get box fans in the, in the, in the comments, you know, Oops, can the box win, you know, Bobby Forsyth, I see you say, can the box win, you know, how are they going to win this game? There's absolutely a path to win. Um, I just yeah. think that they're going to need players on the field to create advantages for them because yeah. I don't think coaching wise and schematically they're on the level of the Rams. I don't say that it's super disparaging way. The reality yeah. is most of the NFL is probably not on the level that the Rams are coaching wise and scheme wise. And I think if the Rams had, Tom Brady or Russell, and I don't even think Jared Goff's horrible. He's fine. He's yeah. just if the Rams had Tom Brady or Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers or probably even what Kyler Murray's probably going to become at least, you know, the, these top mm-hmm. cornerbacks, quarterbacks in the NFC, you know, Drew Brees, whatever, you know, these guys in the NFC. If they had somebody like that, I think we'll be talking about a team that just won a Super Bowl a couple years ago. It's probably on their way back there this year, but they don't, and that is where Bucks fans can take some solace. We saw Jared Goff last year, and I know people are bringing up last year's game. The Rams are totally different defensively, so that yeah. needs to be noted. But they do still do some of the same things offensively. It's changed some things on that side of the ball, but a lot of things offensively the same. And Jared Goff, what? He turned the ball over, I think, four times last year in that game, and it was really the difference in the game. You know, He out-Jameised Jameis Jameis in that game, and that really Jameis, made the Jameis difference. threw a pick six in the game. So, yeah. you know, Jameis was and that still was, – I think – wasn't that his only turnover or maybe at a fumble? I don't know. I, I believe so. Yeah. 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 So um, he, so he, so he just out James, you know, James yeah. threw pick six and I got golf through one, or I think there was a pick six in that game, maybe two or a lot of short fields. Um, and, he, he had a sack fumble. Yeah. Sack was a sack fumble. That's right. Down we can do. Right. Yeah. yeah. So um, we, we've got a, a super chat here from, from Dara O'Brien. Do you think this is a game of Gronk and Godwin the slot? Yes, it is. Because mm-hmm. if you're going to beat the Rams, it's that it, they, they you're going to beat them where they want you to beat beat them, which is which is in the middle of that of that two deep zone. Exactly um, right. And, and the good news is that's where Arians' offense is focused on. That's why Chris Godwin led this team in receiving last year, mm-hmm. because it, it it revolves around the slot. That's why uh, these tight ends were collected this year, because uh, and you saw it in, in Pittsburgh, John, with Heath Miller. When when Arians has a quality tight end, he's going to use him. And we've seen Gronk emerge in this offense. And we saw OJ Howard show a ton of potential before his season ending injury is they want to attack the middle. And so I think from a schematic standpoint, if they can run the ball and stay out of third and longs and attack the middle of this defense, I think that, I think it, it works in their favor. You know, the, the Rams at the linebacker level don't scare me. It's really their, their defensive front and they've got some good corners. They've got Jalen mm-hmm. Ramsey, who obviously can can yep. man with Mike Evans and and probably take him around the field, uh, but you've got um, you know this kid that's really kind of burst on the scene. He's oh like, man, Darius <laughs> Williams. This guy's seven. crazy. His backstory yeah. is nuts. I mean, I know Bucks fans probably are too keen on the Rams roster, but if you get the chance to read about Darius Williams' backstory, it's crazy. I mean, this guy almost was out of football like three different times, and he really has never had bad tape. He was dominant in college, small colleges, and. UAB for a while and they shut down. Yeah. It's just a crazy story. And now he's playing like one of the best corners in the league this right. year. So it is, it's and you know what? He's five nine, one eighty-seven. He looks kind of nondescript, but he'll he'll be matched up against Antonio Brown on the outside. 
And 10 pass breakups this year, four interceptions. He had two mm -hmm. last week against Russell Wilson. He's so, awesome. you know, this this guy can play. So you got yeah. Jalen Ramsey on Mike Evans, Darius Williams on An Antonio Brown. And I think that, that this is where the Bucks' depth on offense with the weaponry, with the arsenal, comes into play. Okay, fine. Mm -hmm. you, you can kind of minimize Brown and, and Evans. Bucks still have Godwin, who really chewed up the Rams last year. Yep. And they got Gronkowski, and you got Cam Braid too. So, right. the, and Scotty Miller. Scotty Miller only got nine snaps last uh, week, but we might see more Scotty Miller this week. But I, I think that, that that's where they, they can attack uh, the safeties and the linebackers uh, in the middle of the field this week, John. Yeah, there's some interesting matchups in this. If the Bucs are going to win this game, they've got to get creative on offense. They, they just have to do it. They are not the most creative offense in the NFL. It's just the reality. They don't use yeah. – and they've marked some things in slowly, but they're not a big screen team. They're not a big jet team. They're not a big you – know, they're not even a big play-action pass team. As much as it's been successful for them, they're just a, a below-league average rate at play-action pass. They're not a big wheel route team or anything like that. They've started to work the wheel routes in more. They started to work some man beaters in more. They're giving you some eye candy. So – you look at the way the Rams have given up pass plays this season. It's when they get tricked on defense. That's yeah, it. That's I mean, true. they the, look at Seattle last week, Tyler Lockett wheel route. You know, I think this is a wheel route Antonio Brown wheel route for a big gain out of the backfield. Yeah. Uh, line them up in the backfield. And cause what the Rams do and you, when you do that, if you isolate him to that side of the field and you put three receivers on the other side of the field and you put, you know, three receivers on the left side, Antonio Brown sidecar, right. And you wheel route him out of the backfield. That, that route, very good, decent chance it's picked up by by an edge defender or by a linebacker. That's how they defend them. Their edge defenders have to drop and run, and they're way better athletes than the Bucs edge, edge defenders, but they ain't covering Antonio Brown. So, Or the Bucs running back's got to step up. Leonard Fournette's mm -hmm. got to make a play in a wheel route. But, again, like that's where a couple teams have gotten them on wheels. They got You've got to get the matchups that you want, um, and you gotta, you've got to be effective with those. But Chris Godwin, absolutely. Smash play on him this week in fantasy football. He's gonna get. Yeah. A, he should get a ton of targets. You're right, Scott. Middle yeah. of the field. Watch the Bills game from last year and see how they got their big passing plays. It's because mm -hmm. Josh Allen ripped the ball into the middle of the field. They had the zones. They knew he was getting the ball. They just couldn't get there quick enough, and he was zipping it in there. And Brady can zip it into the – I mean, yeah. he throws a hot ball in there. And so that's where their gains are going to have to come. They're going to have to come in the middle of the field, uh, run some seams. Absolutely, that kind of stuff's going to be big. Um and, and honestly, you can play – like Antonio Brown can play in the slot all day, so so play him. If you're going four wide, which the Bills do a ton as well, and I think the Bucs could copy some of the things that the Bills did, although I'm sure the Rams have learned some things since that week three matchup. But they're the only team, I think, to put up 30 on them this year. The Bills are in copying some things that they did would be smart, and one of the things they do is four wide receivers right. um, and getting guys to run off of each other and open each other up, and I think – that's where it comes in handy having a guy like Tyler Johnson put him and Mike Evans outside and get Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin both inside. But there are matchups and ways you can win this game, but the Bucs cannot come out in their typical offense. And they, and they moved in the right direction against Carolina, but they can't yeah, come out in their sure. typical offense, their Saints offense, their Giants offense, and win this game. They can't come out like they did against those teams. They right. have to be working on some stuff with the extra day to work this week. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And thank you very much for that super chat, Greg. We're Greg. Yeah. We're, we're going to be um, stockpiling all this cash, uh, not for the holiday season, uh, but for Mark Cook's uh, laptop That's camera. Right. <laughs> so we're doing that. Uh, Rojo had a really good game against him last season. Chance it happens again. It could. It's just, again, like John and I have been talking about, this is this is a similar personnel on the Rams. They didn't have, uh, have Jalen Ramsey last year at cornerback, but yeah. similar personnel, um, but – 
but diff different scheme. It looks similar, but they're deployed differently. I think that's probably the best way to say it. And they're playing a lot more zone and a lot more uh, cover two shell. I, it's not really cover two. It's it's a mm -hmm. different type of zone, but it's a it's a cover two, high, two, yeah. two high safeties. So, um, well, the key is getting them out of those fronts. If you want to run the ball, yeah. you got to get them out of their bare fronts because the Bucks yeah. are not built to handle what the Rams do, what the Rams will throw at you defensively. So you got to run on downs that you don't think that, that they don't think you're running on. Uh, honestly, as much as I hate running on second down, if the Rams are going to give you a six man box and you've got six block, you've got to run to it. You know, you've got to you've got to run zone and leave the last guy in the line of scrimmage and you get six on five or something like that. I think you have to do those kind of yeah. things to loosen things up on second down. I'm not saying become a run heavy team on the you know, but right. I'm just saying you have to run in smart situations. If you try, if they like come out in those bare fronts and they've got you know, seven, eight, get six, seven guys in the box on first down, you better yeah. not be running the football because they're not going to, I mean, they've shown That's all right. season long. It's a fifth ranked run defense in the league. I mean, they're great against the run. And so yeah. it's all about, they'll give you great boxes to run to. Like they literally dared Seattle to run on early downs right. in Seattle, Seattle of all teams. <laughs> We've screamed we for years, run. runs it too much. Yeah. They, they wouldn't take it. And so the bucks have to be in position to take it. If they get those looks, if you get those looks, the Rams weakness defensively is their linebackers. So linebackers yeah. are bad. They, you know, they just, I agree. They don't, they're just guys. That's where they cut their costs on defense. So well, attack those guys in coverage and attack those guys in, in the run game. Here's, here's the thing too, John, you know, uh, Mark Cook is not here for this podcast. And so we don't have a a, uh, a witty or quippy type of, of segue to the MyBookie promo this week. But what we do have is right here, we've got this banner that says MyBookie.ag mm -hmm. promo code pewter. So that is my cue to read the promo for MyBookie. Late fall college ball, the NBA bubble, UFC fight island. It's clear 2020 has been a year unlike any other. And that's why you need a sports book with offers unlike any other. Head over to MyBookie, get some skin in the game with odd boosts, lightning deals, and free bets all season. And if that doesn't wet your chops enough, next week they've got the chance to get in on NFL Thanksgiving Day action with a bet that you can't lose. You may be asking yourself, what's the catch? There is none. It's winning season at MyBookie, and they're putting the ball in your hands. Sign up Thanksgiving week to get your deposit matched halfway and bet up to $250 completely risk-free with MyBookie's Turkey Day free play. I'm going to read that again. Sign up Thanksgiving week to get your deposit matched halfway and bet up to $250 completely risk-free with wow. MyBookie's Turkey Day free play. And while you're at it, check out their fully-fledged casino platform, which gives you access to all the classic table, slot, and card games you'd ex expect to find at your local spot. The best part is the doors at MyBookie never close. You can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights go out. Make the right play and sign up at MyBookie. When you do, use that promo code PEWTER to get your deposit matched halfway all the way up to 1000 bucks. The terms are simple. You put in $200, they are going to match it with another $100 in your account. It's winning season at MyBookie, so come join in the fun and win some cash while you're at it. I haven't gone to MyBookie yet. It's only Wednesday. But uh, I'm going to take a look at those college money lines that I like so much. And, um, I, you know, I, I, I won last week big on the Buccaneers. I, I took the, yeah. the spread big time. I remember. Yeah. Um, I, I, I got I to gotta see what 
what the NFL odds are this week, but um, I, I, I've been doing better in college than I have in the NFL, but I did win uh, last week. Uh, so, so Darryl O'Brien, I bet bucks minus six on my bookie. Good website. Agreed. And if that's still the current line, um, you know, that's, that's an interesting line. <laughs> you're not sure what you're going to do. You're saving your prediction for the end of the show. I am saving my prediction for the end of the show. Yes. Uh, one of the things we haven't touched on, Scott, and this is really the key to the whole game for me. Um, you know, I think, I think you know the Bucks offense can sputter in this game a little bit. Uh, everybody pretty pretty much has against the Rams. I don't consider that like a huge red flag. I mean, obviously, if they score, you know, the Saints' output would be a huge red flag. But you know, I don't consider like if they don't go out and score on every drive like they did against the Panthers, I'm not going to be worried. Um, yeah. You know, this is a game you probably expect to score tw- in the 20s, hopefully, and if you're on a good day and. You hope the, that's enough to win the game because of the way your defense played against Jared Goff. So to me, that's where it comes down to. If Jared Goff, if this defense can get pressure on Jared Goff, the Bucs probably win the game. Because when Jared Goff is pressured, Scott, he becomes he turns from one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL when he's not pressured, when he's comfortable, when everything's out in front of him and easy yeah. reads and all that, to one of the worst. I mean, this is 34th out of 39 qualifying quarterbacks for pro football focus and adjusted completion percentage under pressure. So it takes away – Throwaways, spikes, um, what throwaways, uh, spikes, drop passes. So it just isolates the quarterback's performance and adjusted completion percentage. That's why it's way better than completion percentage. Um, I agree. Just isolates their his performance, and he is bad. He's horrible under pressure. Mm-hmm. And his passer rating thirty. If you're in the NFL passer rating, is a stat thirty six out of thirty nine in the NFL passer rating. Yeah. So when he's when he's kept clean, he's second in the NFL in adjusted completion percentage. I mean, exactly is. Second and play action attempts, they're able to do all that kind of stuff. So the keys in this game to me, getting pressure on Jared Goff. They don't allow a ton of pressure, to be honest. He's pressured a little better than the league average pressure rate. Uh, and he is only they only given up 13 sacks all season. So, I mean, their right. amount of sacks, they've got fifth, fifth best in the NFL in sacks allowed this year. So the biggest thing for me is, can you get pressure on Jared Goff and make him uncomfortable? And can right. you do it early in the game? The Rams are not a play for mind team. They want to use play action. They want to do all those kind of things. And they have to get out of their element if they're chasing if they're chasing a lead. And so I think that's the key is starting fast in this game, being able to make Jared Goff uncomfortable. He typically is not the kind of guy. He's just not that resilient of a quarterback. If you make him uncomfortable, pick him off early, sack him early, hit him early, get him off his platform, show you're going to be there all day. You know, I think that's the kind of that's how you have success against the Rams. I know Andrew Whitworth's out, and some people yeah. talk about Whitworth being out. I think Joe Noteboom's a pretty solid player, but I also yeah. More than he anything, did a really good job last yeah. week against Seattle. You know, and John, we got a couple minutes left here before we get to our predictions. We got a lot of good questions. Let's roll through some of these yeah. lightning quick, okay? And let's get both our thoughts here uh, from Cali Bucks. Rams have an injured kicker, tackle, and safety. That's that's uh, the kicker's out. What Kai, Kai Forbath is that the kicker? Yeah, I believe so. Um, Whitworth is out the tackle, and Taylor Rapp the safety. Mm. Injury shouldn't be celebrated. I like our chances. Which one of those? those guys being out uh, will affect the Rams the most. Probably Whitworth, but Raps a really good player and they love to play three safeties. You know, they, they've used three safeties a lot and I'm not sure what Jordan Fuller's status will be sixth round rookie for them who was playing really, really well um, from Ohio state. Uh, and he has, was out last week at least. And maybe the week before, I don't remember what his status is. Terrell Burgess also hurt. So they're starting to get thin at safety, but I'm not sure who returns this week. So I have to take a look at that once the injury reports start coming out and see where those guys are at, but they could be pretty thin at safety. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say kicker because Matt Gay returns to Tampa and he struggled 
with that south end zone mightily. And I think that's up <laughs> that's here. a good point, Scott. I think that's up here. I like Ryan suck up uh, seven days a week over Matt Gay, especially at Ray J. So th- that's that yeah. that I think is is definitely one of those. Um, this you know, game is wrought with storylines. I love it. It is. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot about the Matt Gay factor. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that I think that it's a, one of the games, one of those games where if it comes down to kicking, I think that you're right. I mean, I like the Bucks advantages there. Now, all right, can so I see Matt Gay coming back to Tampa and having an awesome showing and hitting four in the South? Remember, the Red, yeah. Rams red zone struggles come up big in this game because what yeah. you talked about, Scott. If the Rams continue, you know, they're league average in the red zone right now. And but even just outside of the red zone, they have a lot of drives bogged down. We talked about all these often awesome offensive stats. They're seventh overall in yards, they're twelfth in passing, they're eighth in rushing. You know, they've moved the ball, they're seventh on third down. So they've moved the ball really well, but they just have drives bogged down. When they get just inside the 30, you know, that area of the field, they tend to have balls drives bogged down. And so kicking is big for the Rams unless they change some of those tendencies. It, it, the Monday night thing, is that a factor, John? We've seen Bruce Arians this week practice at night, or we're going to see it later this week, practicing at night, Friday and Saturday, to get this team, this young Buccaneer team. There's been a couple guys that have played with regularity at night. <laughs> Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski come to mind, Jason yeah. Pierre-Paul. But other than that, this is a young football team that hasn't had a lot of exposure to primetime because the Bucs have been so bad. Maybe a Thursday night game once a year, maybe a Sunday night game. Hey, the Buccaneers, this is five primetime games that they've got on the schedule, including this one against the Rams on Monday night. Is it a factor? And do you think that this this practicing at night can help? I don't think it can hurt, John. What do you think? Right. No, definitely can't hurt. I don't know if it'll help, honestly. I mean, it's a good idea. Um, I think it's a good process regardless, regardless of whether the result is better or not. I think the process is, is good. Um, and that's all you can do as coaching. You know, at the end of the day, these guys get paid a ton of money. They got to be ready to play at night. They got to yeah. be ready to play no matter when the time of day is. But you know, these night games come around. It it hasn't just been it hasn't been a talent thing. I mean, they've been the better team at, for sure in two of their three night games. Or has there been three night three three night games? I think yeah. Um, and so yeah, because one got moved. But I mean, so I think that that you know that I just think that this team has to, they have to play at that level like that. They have come out with notably low energy. And, and attention to detail and especially the last two. Um, and so, I, I mean, the Bucks, the Bears game, they came out fine. It was as the game went on, that one just was a, yeah. I was just a nightmare night. I just think so right. many things went, didn't go their way. But well, um, John, that, that kind of goes into the next question here. And we saw in the Bears game selling for field goals. We also saw it last week in Carolina. The Bucks had to settle for field goals uh, inside the, the Panthers' six-yard line three times. Do you think Arians should go for more fourth downs within the red zone rather than 20 to 30 or field goals? Yeah, he should have the other day. I thought for sure there was one or two chances. I'd have to refresh my memory. They scored so often it all started to run together, and yeah. I didn't stress I didn't it this it week. So much last week because in the second half, you could just sense the momentum had changed, and I, I just I thought the Buccaneers really started to run away with it. I didn't mind the field goals as much in the second half. Uh, when you're in a dogfight, though, against a better team like the Bears and maybe like the Rams, I think you got to roll the dice and go for it a little bit more. Touchdowns, mm-hmm. win games, field goals typically get you beat in the NFL. Right. And he's got a great offense and a great quarterback, and those are the things you want. You want guys that get open uh, in those situations, and they've shown that they can convert those. The problem you know, with the Bucks' offense is they're always – like some of the things we saw, what, the fourth down conversion against the Panthers last week was yeah. Mike Evans on a horizontal pattern. I'm pretty sure if I'm remembering, I think it was it the was, fourth down. yes. 
on a horizontal pattern. Yeah, and he's like a shoestring tackle away from busting it to the house. A Mike Evans run and catch touchdown, Scott. What would you have done? Have you seen Mike Evans on a run and catch? I mean, it's just not what he typically does. But again, and again, I think it goes, but this Rams game, if you want to beat this team, attack them horizontally the way you started the Chicago game. You flashed things like that against Carolina. Right. Uh, you flashed things like that. Uh, what other game was it? I forget. But it, anyway, there's there have been glimpses of that attack teams horizontally, and I think that you can be successful, uh, especially in a game like this one. Yeah. Interesting question from Greg DeCruz. Scott, you remember Sergeant Rock. He's talking about Floyd Peters, the old defensive coordinator under, um, under Sam Weish uh, before – before Monty Kiffin and Tony Dungy came, uh, Floyd Peters, they, they called him Sergeant Rock. He looked like like an old uh, military <laughs> general, you know. Uh, I bring him up because of what uh, I heard from the Giants in fighting today, right? There was there were some reports that Mark Colombo, the Giants' offensive line coach, got into a physical confrontation with Joe Judge, the head coach of the Giants. A lot of beat writers have, have refuted that. Um, yeah, but not and national. I think Peter Schrager said it wasn't yeah. true, and Ian Rappaport. Yeah. So. But nonetheless, Greg's question is: Who is the one coordinator you wouldn't want to mess with, past or present? Um, that's an easy one for me. Uh, Rod Marinelli. I would not want to mess with Rod Marinelli. He he is one of the nicest, soft-spoken guys off the field. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, a lot of times when yeah you're talking to Rod, you just have to kind of lean in because he just talks like this. But on the field, that guy could curse like nobody's business. <laughs> he could teach a master class in cursing, yelling and screaming. And this is a guy who fought in Vietnam, still has shrapnel in his leg to this day. Um, uh, he is battle-tested in, in more ways than one. And Rod oh, yeah. Marinelli is the guy that, that I think, given his past and his service to this country, I would not want to mess with because – uh, if if uh, Floyd Peters was Sergeant Rock, then uh, Rod Marinelli's Captain America in my book. I would not want to mess with Rod Marinelli. Yeah, How about you, I think John? any any uh, coaches, either Tampa or Pittsburgh, to <laughs> cover the Steelers that you wouldn't want to mess with. You know, there's a Jerry Olsowski is a linebackers coach for Pittsburgh. The Bucks fans yeah. probably won't know much about, but he. That is an intense dude. I don't think I've ever seen him smile. I covered the team for three years, talked to him a few times, like just not a lot of friendly with that guy. Not the biggest dude or anything, but playing the league was just one of those grit, heart, and soul guys. I mean, I, he never smiles. It's, so he's he's one of those guys that I would have on that list. Head coaches in the NFL. I mean, Mike Vrabel's got to be up there, right? I feel like I wouldn't oh, want to yeah. mess with him. Anthony yeah. Lynn is – Anthony yeah, Lynn I would not is mess with Anthony Lynn. No. Tough, tough, <laughs> tough, dude. I think you'd be a lot to get that guy to tap, I think. But yeah, there's yeah. a couple of them. It's always funny to t- think of if the head coaches in the league got in a Royal Rumble, how would how would plan out pan out? It's interesting, right? That, that, that might be a good offseason column. John, <laughs> our right? last question uh, before we get to our predictions. Darrell O'Brien, uh, can you guys talk about how COVID might affect the game, right? We do we know which Rams player? No, uh, we still but, don't, unless it happened while we were on the show. I've been looking yeah. all day. Okay. Um, I'll so, check right now. but I, I, I don't know because a lot of times what we're seeing, right, is we're seeing the team facility shut down for one day, and then it kind of gets quarantined, and then they, they kind of go back. So I would expect the Rams to be back at practice tomorrow. And with this game being on a Monday rather than a Sunday, I don't think it's going to interrupt their preparation too much. It kind of depends on which player is in the COVID uh, protocol, though. Right. If it's Aaron Donald, you know, or Jared Goff or someone like that, 
um, th then it might be a bit of a, of a game changer, right? I mean, the, the Patriots saw that with, with Cam Newton having to go out, right? And, right. and they, they lost the game with, with, uh, with the backup quarterback. So we'll have to see who it is. But I think at this stage, and we even saw this with, with the Raiders, John, uh, several Raiders players tested positive for COVID. That game mm -hmm. went on, and, and the Buccaneers won, but th they didn't really get any sacks against uh, Derek Carr outside of Devin White three times. But it yeah. wasn't like the defensive front took advantage right. of that of that absence of the, the offensive lineman. They didn't really get much penetration or pass rush outside right. of Devin White's blitzing. And the same thing with the Giants. I, I don't think we've seen COVID negatively affect one of the Bucks opponents yet, have we? Right. I don't think so. Not really. I mean, I'm trying to remember, you know, I think Jonathan Abram was out for that game too, but he, frankly, he's just not very good. So I don't know if that would have affected things. I mean, I think that, you know, this is a game, it really depends who the player is, like you said, because I don't think there's going to be close contacts for that player more than likely yeah. because the Rams were off the last couple of days. So they, right. so they haven't been together. So you're less likely to see close contacts and less likely to see other players sidelined even for a week of practice as a result. So I think it's probably that one player and they'll probably be back at it. But you know, recently the NFL just announced before we went live, I don't know if you even got a chance to see it, Scott, that all NFL teams will be in intensive protocols for the rest of the season. So there will be, you know, kind of every meeting that team has will be virtual. It'll all be virtual meetings. Um, and if there were any happening in person, even masks, they'll be virtual now. Um, you have to practice with masks on. I mean, you, you and I can guess whether that's going to happen for every team yeah. or not. But um, so there'll be some protocols that teams have to adhere to that are even more strict now. This is yeah. funny though. I got to read this. Kim Jones said in reference to the Joe judge and Mark Colombo fight, Kim Jones said, heard from a bunch of people today. I am convinced Joe judge and Mark Colombo never got physical. I do believe Colombo called judge his boss. One of the dirtiest words in the English language. Um, <laughs> and somebody, somebody, the first comment underneath says, what he called him a jet. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I was crying. Shots oh, fired in New York. Holy smokes. Wow. What's that? Shots fired on in New York, right? That's that's uh, some Jets on Giants crime or Giants on Jets crime right. or whatever. Right. The Raiders, by the way, are still having COVID problems. Like half their defense is going on COVID right now on the list. And we'll see. They're it's from a positive test with Cleveland Farrell, but um we'll see. But uh yeah, nothing yet about the Rams player. Um, oh, the entire Raiders defense uh, is going on COVID, but nothing wow. yet about who the Rams player is that I'm seeing from, from Ian Rappaport at least. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. We do have to touch on one other thing real quickly, Scott, before we get to our predictions. I know this show is running long, but we haven't Actually, talked about Antonio Brown. Yep. Let, let's, let's say there for one second. One question from Greg. Oh, yeah. What will the schedule be next week because of Thanksgiving? Well, the interesting uh, thing is, right, is we have a, we've got, we'll have a, a Monday night, podcast immediately after the Buccaneers media availability. So about 20 minutes after the game, we'll have already talked to Bruce Arians, talked to Tom Brady. So we'll have some reaction for you on that podcast. So stay up with us Monday night. You, you know, you're not going to go to work on Tuesday anyways. You're going to be right. calm. So you might as well stay up. You know, if the wife wants to go to bed, fine. You stay up and you and join John and I and Mark, and, and we're going to be uh, breaking down the, the Rams and Bucks game on Monday night. Right. Then Tuesday, we'll have uh, our, our day after game podcast. And then we'll also have one on Wednesday. We're not going to have one on Thanksgiving, right? Right. Uh, that's, that's a holiday. We got to take, take off at some point. <laughs> we got to take off. We're going to watch some football and eat, enjoy some time with their families. Mm -hmm. So um, 
we will probably do a podcast on Friday that hasn't been set in stone yet. We'll talk about it and, and, and debate the merits of that. It is Black Friday, and a lot of people will be shopping. So maybe you'll right. be online and want to. Maybe you'll be riding your car. And <laughs> yeah, you know, and maybe you want to listen. But we'll, we'll, there could be a podcast on Friday. We might just do three next week, but we will talk about it and we'll yeah. see. We'll but, announce. Uh, uh, we'll have we'll have the schedule for you early next week, though, yeah, for sure. But, but definitely Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Yeah, right. Yeah, we'll we'll be here. Right, Antonio Brown. Will you know? Everybody kind of knows the situation. I think at this point, um, you know, with Antonio Brown, it's um, he's you kind of. It's been kind of a just the whole process has been kind of a mess with him lately in terms of looking at what things that happened right before the Bucks signed him. Uh, about two weeks before they signed him, he had an incident where he destroyed a surveillance camera. This is. It's it is alleged, but it also we basically confirmed it because he paid for the camera. He's basically you know admitted to doing it. I think it's just um, how serious the matter was, and he threw his bike at a security guard shack. Um, so just another kind of outburst from Antonio Brown, destroying public property. They didn't you know initially the the um, the HOA president said that she feared retaliation for residents, and that's why she didn't want to pursue. Charges now. She's saying that Antonio Brown's a hero for helping to beat the Panthers. Seems a little <laughs> seems seems like a big swing, Scott. I wonder if anything yeah. would have had something to do with that. But um, no, it's been a it's been a very weird situation. The NFL said we weren't aware of it. The Bucks sound like they were aware of it. Uh, yeah, I have no idea. But the the big question for us is, I mean, all that aside is, you know, we could talk all day about oh, you know, Bruce Aaron saying he's matured. I mean, clearly. It wasn't surprising to us that he hadn't, but the fact that something happened right. literally eight days before he's flying to Tampa Bay for yeah. a visit is pretty ridiculous. I mean, it kind of well, throws that, but it, it goes to show you that it's not against the law to be a jerk, right? It's not right. criminal to be a jerk, but if you're a jerk and you break the law, then that's different. And did he break the law? Was was there some was there some criminality to it? Well, like if the kid across the street from me. Uh, is is playing baseball and a, and a ball goes through my window here. Um, is that a criminal act? Well, I mean, maybe if he doesn't pay for it since he broke it, right? But mm -hmm. if if his dad comes over and says, "Sorry about that, I'll pay for it," and there's the restitution, you know, I can see that. Uh, obviously, the guy still has some anger management issues, right? <laughs> he admitted that on his Zoom call. He's been trying to work through these anger management issues. Mm -hmm. uh, they haven't magically gone away, even though he's been talking with Tony Robbins. Um, but at the same time, does this rise to the level of of uh, you know of suspension or something? I mean, uh, is it bad behavior? Yeah, but I mean, he, he we we kind of know that he's done jerky things in the past why is this a big surprise yeah. uh, i think i think that if he refused to pay for the damages and and refused to to own up to it and acknowledge it then then maybe the nfl has some grounds to stand on it but otherwise this seems more like like a um a civil type of of incident rather than a criminal one and mm -hmm. i think that the nfl is probably more you know in tune with and going to come down on the criminality of its players rather than than civil disputes yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the NFL does. I think if it just stands by itself, there's no, there's no. I'm not even thinking about a suspension or anything like that. Right. But because there's a lengthy history of of jerky stuff and also just straight up disgusting stuff with Antonio Brown, it's absolutely it's going to be difficult to weigh all of that if they do decide to do it that way. And so, are you we'll saying that he's not going to get the benefit of the doubt from the NFL, John? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> he may not have shown enough 
maturity, quote unquote, to get the benefit of the doubt from the NFL in this situation. If I had to guess, I think he'd avoid suspension. Um, you know, and and I so I think the Bucks, you know, don't do anything. If he is suspended, they asked me an interesting question on WDAE this morning. If he is suspended, Scott, by the NFL, even one, two game, one game, let's say, just a one game suspension, do you think the Bucs would cut him? No. I, I thought the same thing this morning. At first I was like, well, maybe. And then I was like, you know what? They've said from the outset what Antonio Brown does from the time he becomes a buck, that's what matters to us. And right. you can debate whether you think that's right or wrong. I've yeah. already written about that I don't agree with their philosophy and their approach, but that's He's what they've said, and so I don't run. think he gets cut. It's a mercenary hire. They they, they knew the, the bargain when they, they signed the deal, right? Yeah, they know he wasn't mature. They knew all that stuff. They know what kind of guy they're getting. They're going to wait and see what he This guy can just be somewhat normal for about 10 weeks. That's it. Ten more right. weeks, yeah, six it. games, and then hopefully on to the Super Bowl. That's it. Just we'll be it. until February, and then that's do whatever hell you want. Right? That's that's what but, they're hoping. But will it happen? I don't know. <laughs> I know. It's uh, it's uh, it's like Come the on. it's like the days since latest incident thing in the you know where they pull down the it's like yeah. We thought it was you know x right. amount of months, and now it's uh, a month, and it's eight days since before they signed them. So it's it's a mess. John predictions. We've been putting off our predictions, haven't we? Yeah, we have been because we're not going to make Bucks fans happy. I'll go first so they can get all the wrath out of me and they're not surprised. Good. Well, I don't know what you're going to say, actually. I guess, but I, I think the Bucks are going to lose this game. Um, I'm 9-1 picking this season before you all come at me. I, you know, I, and I picked the Bucks, <laughs> So, so I've actually – the only game I messed up was the Bears game. So I've really picked the Bucks to win all but two weeks, both times against the Saints. That's when I picked – so I, I picked them. I loved on them. I just think the reality is in this situation that they don't match up well. I think it's a coaching game. I don't think I think that's where this one comes down to. You got to be able to yeah. outcoach or hang with at least the Rams. Um, to, and I don't think that they're on that level. I, I don't think they're a bad coach team, a poorly coached team. I just don't think they're as well coached as the Rams. And the Rams have a ton of talent. And I think they're about to peak as a team and about to be a real threat as well. The 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 question mark in the wrinkle in this is Jared Goff. If they can affect Jared Goff and turn him over, they Rams become a different team and they're not nearly as effective. And I think they can win the game when they've lost games. That's been the process. Jared Goff's been terrible and the defense has had a lot to do with it. So Bucks defense, you got to play a lot better than you've been playing. You got to throw it back to the Packers game, wreak some havoc and play a lot better than you've been playing. I think it can happen. I just don't think yeah. it's going to. What's your score, John? My score is 27 to 20. Rams. Okay. All right. Um, Whoa, Brian Shaw said 27, 20 bucks at the set. Whoa. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I, I agree with, with everything that you said, John, and, and I'm going to have to agree with the outcome as well. I, I think that th this is on talent uh, on paper, the bucks are better, yeah. but uh, I, I, this coaching staff has befuddled me with, with it, with its inconsistency from week to week and sometimes even from half to half. And if Todd Bowles comes out and, and and decides to be aggressive and and plays uh, calls defense and and has his players play defense like they did from the second, third, and fourth quarter in that Packers game, I think they win this game. Mm -hmm. Okay, but we've seen Bowles take too long to make these adjustments. We saw him play you know a, a half of football before bringing the blitz really against uh, Nick Foles in Chicago. We saw the same thing last week against. The, the Teddy Bridgewater led Panthers offense, and yeah. so I, I think that that his 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 sudden crush on zone coverage um, early in games, uh, I I think that he likes to jab, uh, 
Mm-hmm. And, and I'd like to see him come out like Mike Tyson used to, ding, and you come out and just throw the haymaker, and it's over in 30 seconds. Yeah. Like that's what this Bucks defense is built for, is for the haymaker-type plays. It, this is not a, a jab, 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 jab type thing where, where you're trying to win on score points. If you're the Buccaneers defense, I think you should try to win on knockouts. So mm-hmm. my, my opinion is that we see a slow start from the Bucks defense, and we might see a slow start from the Bucks offense. I think it's going to be lower scoring than people think, and I think the Rams win this twenty-seven to twenty-four. Okay, close. So a kick, a, a Matt Gay kick at the end of the game, or no? Are the Bucks, no, the no, Bucks no. down twenty-seven seventeen, the and they score not at the end? Yeah, it, it'll be at the beginning. Um, but yeah, Matt Gay's not going to beat this team with the kick. Uh, when okay. we factor in there, yeah, but he probably misses a couple of kicks too. But right, but uh, I think the Rams take this one, and uh, and I like their their chances against the Chiefs better, to be honest with you. It's going to be fascinating to see. I mean, I've said this. I said it at the outset of the show. If the Bucks lose the next two games, I'll feel like they're still. I'll still pick them to make the playoffs. Absolutely. I still think they have a good chance of making the playoffs. I just don't think they'll be the threat for a Super Bowl title that we maybe hoped that they were. So I think we find that out in the next yeah. two weeks. It's how you match up against the good ones, and I think and they've got a big opportunity. Them wrong, you know, but um, but uh, I get paid to call it like I see it and not uh, be a cheerleader and blow smoke. So that's right. Uh, I'd love to take an L. Hope we're wrong. Take a W for you guys, for sure. I would, I would love that. That would be great. All right. Uh, I appreciate you all staying with us and sticking with us. We had great attendance throughout this entire show, and this show went uh, about 10 minutes or 15 minutes longer than we normally do. So hopefully you all enjoyed the breakdowns and the thorough thoughts on that. Tell your friends, tell your family, spread the news. We are so close to 2,000 subscribers on YouTube, and from there we want to get to 3,000. So keep pushing us up. Keep spreading the news. We really rely on you all to be able to do that so much. And so um, tell tell everybody you know about the Peter Report podcast. Like, like Scott said, we'll be back tomorrow. We've got a show. Taylor and Matt and I are talking about the Bucks, talking a little bit about the Pro Bowl, and we're talking about who we see is worthy and maybe not as worthy, and we're getting a lot of input from you all too. It's going to be a fun show. Uh, so uh, we're looking forward to that uh, on tomorrow's show, 4 p.m. Eastern. We'll be live with y'all on Thursday. And then obviously Scott said, we'll be off until after that game on Monday night. Uh, we'll be coming to you live and it'll be a late one. But last time we went late at night, y'all were rallying with us and it yeah. was great. So hopefully we have a, yeah, hope, that's right. Hopefully we have a box of wind to break down as well. So appreciate y'all. Love y'all. Thanks y'all for tuning in the pewter report podcast. Uh, and we'll catch y'all again next time on another edition of the pewter report podcast energized by Celsius out, out. <laughs>